This podcast may contain adult content. Please use discretion when listening. Welcome to Heinous Hotels, a podcast about famous and infamous hotels. Find out historic and hysterical facts about your favorite travel destinations and even places you haven't heard of yet. Is your mom's favorite resort haunted? Was there an unsolved crime committed at your bucket list bed and breakfast? Did your favorite celebrity stay in the room that you're in right now? You'll have to listen to find out. Pack your bags and don't forget your passport. It's time to check in to Heinous Hotels. Hello and welcome back to Heinous Hotels. I'm your host, Jordan. You are listening to episode four about the Drake Hotel in Chicago. The Drake is a luxury hotel that has been on TV and in movies. It's the setting of an unsolved crime, it's the home of an immense tragedy, and is the subject of urban legends and ghost stories. Hollywood stars and even royalty have stayed at the Drake Hotel. I'm super excited to cover this, so I hope you enjoy the episode. My sources for this episode are Chicago Magazine, Wikipedia, the Chicago Daily Tribune Archive, the Chicago Tribune, thedrakehotel.com, tripadvisor.com, mysterioushicago.com, hauntedrooms.com, a family tree website called webtrees, deadinchicago.com, thenewyorktimes.com, homicide.northwestern.edu, and foursquare.com. One of the sources I had the most fun with was an episode by Second City Mysteries Podcast. Their episode on the Bobby Franks murder and the Drake Hotel was so good and funny. You should totally listen to it. When I was doing my research, I wanted to see if any podcast had covered this hotel in the past, and there was only one that I could find. They are from Chicago, and so they have a different perspective than I do. So definitely give that episode a listen. After this break, we will learn about the history of the Drake Hotel. Thanks for coming back to Heinous Hotels. Today's episode is about the Drake Hotel in Chicago. Before we hear about murders and ghosts and celebrities, oh my, let's start at the beginning with the history of the hotel. If you want to follow along with me, you can go on the Drake Hotel's website, thedrakehotel.com, and click on Tour Our Hotel, which takes you to a 360-degree tour. It's worth spending the time just to check it out because the rooms are honestly gorgeous. Located at 140 East Walton Place, the Drake is located in downtown Chicago. You can't miss it because there's a giant pink neon sign screaming, The Drake, across the skyline overlooking Lake Michigan. The sign was added in the 1940s and since then has been an iconic part of Chicago. I always see people's touristy Instagrams featuring the sign because it's a fun nighttime photo to take. Founded in 1920, the Drake was built by the firm Marshall and Fox in an imposing Beaux-Arts style. The building holds 535 guest rooms, which includes 64 suites, 
a six-room presidential suite, several restaurants, two ballrooms, and two bars. One is called Palm Court, and the other is for members only, called Club International. Fancy folks only, please. The Drake is a Hilton hotel and is on the National Register of Historic Places. The Drake takes its name from the original owners and founders, brothers Tracy and John Drake. To make a long story short, the Drake family and their friends, who also just so happened to have a butt-ton of money, bought up a bunch of property in Chicago and used that property to build hotels, and it worked out really well for them for a time. In the Great Depression, however, the family lost the property. In the 90s, it was acquired by Hilton International, and thanks to a $45 million renovation program, the Drake now has a fitness center, an executive con conference center and brand new furnishings and all the guest rooms to the tune of 15 million dollars in the early 20s it served as the original studio for radio station wgn which was renamed wdap in the 30s and 40s francesco nito one of al capone's top henchmen who eventually succeeded capone as the boss of crime syndicate the chicago outfit used his suite of rooms at the Drake as his office. Um, let's get to some pop culture references that you might recognize. Um, scenes from the movies Risky Business, My Best Friend's Wedding, Hero, What Women Want, Continental Divide, Flags of Our Fathers, Wicker Park, Mission Impossible, and Carol were filmed or at least set at the hotel. In... An episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, a character falsely claims that the Cobb salad was invented at the hotel, and in an episode of Family Matters called Dream Date, Laura Winslow and Steve Urkel attend their senior prom at the Drake Hotel. Spoiler alert. Um, the Drake has been frequented by many heads of state, assorted celebrities, international personalities, and members of the European aristocracy, some as long-term residents since opening in 1920. Notable guests include Winston Churchill, Eleanor Roosevelt, Presidents Herbert Hoover, Dwight Eisenhower, Gerald Ford, and Ronald Reagan. Prince Charles and Diana, Princess of Wales, separately visited the Drake. Elizabeth Taylor, Julie Garland, Hugh Hefner, O. Lumberg, Theodore S. Wiles, Walt Disney, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Charles Lindbergh, the Marquesa and Marquesa Chiaramonte Ragusa, Prince Felix Yusupov, Felix Yusupov, Ukrainian President Viktor Yushchenko, King Hussein of Jordan, Indian Prime Minister Jawaharlal Nehru, Julia Roberts, and Erica Metcalf. Jeff Backus, Joe DiMaggio, and Marilyn Monroe carved their initials into the wooden bar of the Cape Cod Room during a visit which can still be seen today. And that's just some of the <laughs> of the famous people that probably you guys would recognize. Um, there's definitely more, and I will tell you about them after this short break. Welcome back. I hope you enjoy your stay with Heinous Hotels. 
The Drake Hotel isn't just a hotel. It also has some high-end retail stores as part of the Magnificent Mile. It also has restaurants and bars that anyone can visit. So even if you don't choose to stay in the hotel, when you're visiting Chicago, you can still get a taste of the glamour of the Drake Hotel. First, let's talk about the Fountain Court, now known as the Palm Court. The Palm Court changed seasonally to accommodate the changing palette of the sophisticated patrons, according to the Drake Hotel website. In the winter, to set the holiday tone, the fountain was replaced with a 2,000-pound fireplace. In the summer, to get the cool lake breeze, the ceiling was open and the fountain was filled with fresh water. The decor still changes seasonally, but from what I've seen, the transformation isn't as drastic. It hosts an afternoon tea daily. The Empress of Japan, Princess Diana, and Queen Elizabeth II have all participated in this custom. Tea is held in the Palm Court, which is all white. The hotel has a specialty custom-made Palm Court blend. And Wednesday through Sunday, live heart music accompanies the tea. Icons such as Bing Crosby, Walt Disney, George Gershwin, and Charles Lindbergh could be seen sipping a cocktail and listening to Herbie Kay in the Gold Coast Room. The Gold Coast Room is lovely, so Google it if you're interested. If you do an image search, there are some gorgeous weddings shot in there and pictures from New Year's Eve that just look so fun. Uh, it's nearly the same size as Buckingham Palace's ballroom. In the early 1930s, the Cape Cod Room opened and became the nation's first seafood restaurant. In the Cape Cod Room, on their honeymoon, Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio carved their initials into the bar, and they can still be seen today if you visit. Coke d'Or is another restaurant and bar. Coke d'Or means golden rooster in French, and I'm sure there's absolutely no double entendre there. That was the second Chicago establishment to get a liquor license. After Prohibition was over, people rushed to Coke Door to get a shot of whiskey for only 40 cents. In the 1940s, it became a local hangout for reporters, politicians, and even some notorious characters, though it never lost the true Chicago crowd. After this break, I will tell you about some of the urban legends, ghosts, and even an unsolved crime associated with the Drake Hotel. Welcome back to Heinous Hotels. It's time to get into some of the ghostly and ghastly stories that are out there about the Drake. The first is an Oberyn legend about the father of the two founders supposedly watching the Great Chicago Fire from the top of the hotel. This is false. This says, according to local legend John Drake, who is the father of the hotel's founders, was standing with a hotel owner, one of the brothers, watching the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. The owner, seeing his hotel threatened by the flames, offered to sell it for any price. Drake noticed that the wind direction was changing and made an offer, and so he founded the Drake Hotel. If this were true, it would have occurred 49 years before the hotel's founding. The story is possibly confused with the inter interim New Tremont House purchased by John Drake at the time of the Great Fire. There are several ghost stories that are associated with the hotel that might be true. Um, one of the most famous stories is a woman in red According to the story, during a New Year's Eve party or the opening gala, sources differ on the actual night, 
A woman who happened to be dressed in all red witnessed her boyfriend or fiancé, a few accounts say husband, dancing with or somehow cheating on her during the evening. She was distraught and chose to step off the roof or some say her room on the 10th floor. She died as a result and now people say that they see her ghost haunting the hotel and especially walking around on the 10th floor, the Gold Coast room and the Palm Court. According to those who claim to have seen her, her ghost seems to be reenacting her last moments before her tragic death. According to the legend, no one knows who she is because the hotel was so new that the owners had newspapers suppress the story so that the hotel would not become immediately associated with the woman's death. And I guess it worked because I googled the crap out of this story and could find nothing revealing the lady's identity. It could be all bullcrap, but apparently a lot of guests do see her, so maybe there is something to the story. I did find a TripAdvisor review of someone who stayed there. I think only so that they could see her ghost, but this is the um this is the review. It says tenth floor at the Drake. The reviewer is John P and this is from TripAdvisor. They gave the hotel five out of five. Um it says we stayed on the 10th floor, the top floor, because it is said to be haunted by the lady in red. Didn't see her, but had an awesome room with a view of the best parts of Chicago. So, that's, um, I guess, I don't know, I guess they stayed there so that they could see her. It says, great hotel if you don't mind the cost. It's now our favorite hotel. And then the manager um, responded to the review. It says, Dear John P., I'm very excited. We're your favorite hotel here in Chicago. Da, 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 da. It was really nice. Um, so that's what that is. <clears throat> if you want to go and see this red lady, then I don't know. Maybe you'll see her. Maybe you won't. This says, The lady in red is actually a common type of ghost that people see. Just like a lady in white or a lady in black. Just ghosts like primary colors. I don't know. Look into any old building or railroad tracks in your hometown, and I promise there's a story of a lady in red who will appear on a moonlit, misty night. If you want, there's a Wikipedia article you can find just by searching lady in red ghosts. There's some pretty interesting stories on there if you guys want to check that out. There's one story from the 1940s of an older woman named Margaret Pierre Lee. My chair is squeaky. I'm very sorry. A former model who checked into the hotel and then jumped from the 10th floor. It's possible that the ghost is actually this lady. Um, I found some reports about this lady from a... Um, from a like an ancestry.com type website except it's not ancestry.com it's called web trees it's a, like a family trees type of thing and the um the website has some no mm -mm. no yeah i don't want you i don't want you to be on the podcast today i'm sorry you can't, I'm sorry, I know you have opinions, but this isn't, this isn't about kitties. Juno really, really wants to tell you guys how she feels. Um, any, anyhow, this, um, this website has some old 
newspapers on here. Uh, the woman's name was Mark Margaret Pierre Lee, and these are the articles I found. This is from the Morning Star in Rockford, Illinois, in 1952. This says, uh, Mrs. Margaret Pierre Lee, age 62, a native of Janesville, Wisconsin, plunged to her death from a window on the 10th floor of the Drake Hotel, Chicago, on Sunday. A coroner's jury could not determine causes which led to the fatal plunge of the former model and practical nurse. Police found a screen from one of her lakefront windows had been removed. They said her suitcase, can, her hotel room contained only a suitcase and a purse with $11. She was last seen by an elevator operator who helped her stuff a large envelope into a mail chute several hours before the fatal plunge. She had registered at the hotel only a short time before. Dr. J. Roscoe Harry of Chicago said Miss Pierre Lee had been unable to work since she suffered a heart attack last April. This left a lesion in her brain, and at times she could not use her arms or legs. A friend testified at the coroner's inquest that Mrs. Pierre Lee had been under treatment for diabetes. Dr. Harry told authorities he had gained admittance for the nurse at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, but had not had the time to tell her. So that is very sad. It doesn't, I guess they think that maybe she, maybe she did it on purpose. Um, or maybe it was a accident. Um, the other articles that are about her just go into a little bit more detail. Um, let's see. It says that the police, Chicago police were looking for a suicide note, but were told by hotel elevator operator, James Patrick, that Mrs. Pierley had mailed an envelope in the hotel letter shoot an hour and a half before her death. The bulky envelope became lodged in the chute, and Patrick transferred it to a package mail box. He noticed that it had a Janesville address. Police established that the letter was addressed to Mrs. Dubes, but Mrs. Dubes did not receive the letter in the mail. That's strange. Um, and then, oh, I'm sorry, I meant to say that is from the Janesville Daily Gazette in Janesville, Wisconsin, also in 1952. This this uh, particular article says that they think she jumped because she had, um, because of her failing health, it says. Um, it says that she leapt from the hotel. So, that's pretty much assuming. Um, so, that is pretty much all I could find on her. I did look for a picture of her because it said she was a former model, but I could only find a picture of her headstone on findagrave.com. Um, some people think that the lady in red is actually Adele Bourne Williams, who was murdered in the hotel. I'll tell her, I'll tell you, I'll tell her, I won't tell her anything. I'm so sorry, but she has passed. Um, I will tell you a little bit about her in just a second. If you're into true crime, you might remember the story of Leopold and Loeb, who committed a crime pretty much just to see if they could get away with it. 
Their victim was a young man named Bobby Franks. According to some reports, Leopold and Loeb were interrogated in the Drake Hotel at one point before going to the police station. I couldn't find anything that could confirm that. However, it is true that the victim's parents did move into the hotel after the death of their son. The father, Jacob Franks, died in the hotel only a few years after his son's death. It was a natural death, I believe, of a heart attack. His wife remarried, but she also died in the hotel about nine years later. Again, a natural death. Some people say that they are still there as ghosts, grieving the loss of their son. But I hope that's not true and that they are peacefully reunited with him. They are now buried with their son in the nearby Rose Hill Cemetery. After this break, I will tell you all about the unsolved murder of Adele Bourne Williams. Is she the lady in black or is she the lady in red? Welcome back. Let's get into this very creepy and really weird murder. I don't know how it's unsolved still, but it is a still the still unsolved murder of Adele Bourne Williams. Um, I'm going to read straight from these two articles that explain it way better than I could. The first is from Chicago Magazine. Um, one of Chicago's weirdest unsolved mysteries occurred... January the 19th, 1944. Adele Bourne Williams, a renowned socialite and the wife of a State Department attache, was returning to her 8th floor suite with her daughter when a middle-aged gray-haired woman wearing a black Persian lamb coat stepped out of the bathroom and began shooting at them both. Adele was hit in the head but did not die until the next day. Multiple witnesses saw the woman in black flee the scene on the 8th floor. But police never solved the case. To make things even weirder, the gun used in the crime was found several days later at the bottom of a stairwell that police had searched thoroughly. And a spare key to Adele's room that had gone missing turned back up at the front desk. So, this lady, Adele, was with her daughter, her adult daughter. And they had been out of their room. They were returning to their room, which was on the 8th floor of the hotel. And a woman stepped out of the bathroom of their suite. She, The person was waiting in the suite. Somehow had gotten in their room and was waiting in their bathroom for them to arrive back at their room. And apparently she was super dressed up because this says she was wearing a black Persian lamb coat. I don't know how they know it was Persian lamb. I don't know how they know that it was lamb. But, um... She was super dressed up to go do this murder. And um, it, it sounds like the police looked everywhere for this lady. And the, um, they searched this stairway. And later at the bottom of the stairs, the gun was there the next day. And then after that, the key, I'm guessing the key that the murderer had used to get into the room, turned back up at the front desk, just mysteriously appeared there. So, this next article is from the Chicago Daily Tribune archive. The Chicago Daily Tribune is not 
a thing anymore. It, I think it, um, it went out in 1963, and the only way to look at the articles is through their archive. I'm going to read just a little bit from the, um, the articles that they have on here. This is an article from 10 years after the murder. And um, if this tells you anything about how different times are now than they were back then, I mean, nothing else will. This is just incredible. The title of the article is Woman Killer Keeps Guilty Secret. Matron, matron. Oh my gosh. Slain in Drake Hotel 10 years ago. How long can a woman keep a secret? How long can a woman... <laughs> I'm just... I can't. How long can a woman, burdened by guilt, resist the gnawing pains of conscience? <laughs> Ugh, different times. These are the questions Chicago police ponder when they review the mysterious murder of Mrs. Adele Bourne Williams. Somewhere, probably in Chicago, says John T. O'Malley, chief of detectives, there is a woman, we called her the woman in black, who remembers that on this night ten years ago, she shot Mrs. Williams in the Drake Hotel. This says, I hope her memory is vivid and her conscience is strong. The long strain of silence and fear, we hope, is working in our favor. Maybe she will do something to disclose her identity. We need some such break to solve the, the crime. All the clues we had are exhausted. Clues are spelled C-L-E-W-S. My word. Nothing new has come to light in a long time, though our investigation has not been closed. So, obviously, it is in different times. Um... Let's see. Mrs. Williams was the wife of Frank Starr Williams, a career attache of the State Department. She and her daughter, Mrs. Patricia Goodbody, had been away from the hotel in the afternoon. They returned to their eighth floor room at about 6.30 p.m. Part of the article is missing. Mrs. Patricia Goodbody escaped uninjured as her mother's slayer fired two shots at her and missed. Then she stepped into the suite and started firing wildly at Mrs. Williams. Mrs. Williams ran to grapple with her. So that's strange. I wonder if they knew each other. The woman fired one more shot which struck Mrs. Williams in the head. The woman turned and ran down the corridor with Mrs. Goodbody running after her and shouting, Stop that crazy woman. She shot my mother. I bet she did not say stop that crazy woman. I'm sure she said stop that crazy bitch. Um, two men, guests in the hotel. Um, uh, and now I have lost my place. I'm sorry. I'm finding it. Mrs. Mrs. Williams' daughter chased the woman down the hall shouting for help. Two men saw her and one of them could have stopped her, but he didn't. I could have tripped her, he told the police, but I'm not in the habit of tripping women. 
Um, I'm sorry. Uh, this article is really difficult to navigate. So, that's strange. I mean, if somebody said... If somebody was screaming at me, stop that crazy woman or stop that crazy bitch. She just shot my mom. I don't care. Man, woman, child, dog, giraffe. I'm tripping that person. If anything, just to find out what was what the heck is going on. Adele Bourne Williams survived just long enough to tell the police her story of what had happened, which was just as much of a mystery to her as it was to anyone else. She hadn't recognized the woman in black. Okay. Right. And none of her jewelry was missing, so she wasn't wasn't a robbery. The police arrived on the scene at once and promptly made a bungle of things, allowing all sorts of people who were simply curious to wander around the scene. Well, well, well. They failed to apprehend any strange woman in black and found no clues early on, except for the fact that the key to Mrs. Williams' room was missing at the front desk. Detective Quinn of the Chicago Police immediately assumed that the whole thing was a hoax. There was no woman in black, he sneered at Mrs. Williams' daughter. You killed your mother, didn't you? <laughs> this is such a crazy article. He had worked out a theory that Mrs. Williams had threatened to write her daughter out of her will, and even though she was cutting her off, still left her enough not to pinpoint her as her murderer. Wow, that is... He was just coming up with some fantasies and fairy tales. After the shot was fired, he believed the two had quickly come up with a story. Why? That makes no... <sighs> About a woman in black. He seemed to not have mind the fact that at least two witnesses had actually seen the woman in black. Jesus, Lord. Okay. The, the next day, things took a strange turn. The antique piece... Pi, the antique pistol. It was a pistol. The antique pistol was found at the bottom of a stairwell. So... That is really weird because back up here at the top of the article, it says that the it, the pistol was an old revolver manufactured before 1905, and this this murder was in 1944. So that's all. That's an antique pistol, and um, if it was an antique pistol then, then it would definitely be really old now. So maybe that's why she didn't have good aim, or maybe she just wasn't familiar with firearms. Police had searched the stairway carefully right after the shooting. Apparently, a pl police agreed that the woman or an accomplice had returned and discarded the gun while the building was crawling with policemen. So, I'm wondering if this lady was like a mistress of the husband, the, um, the guy working at the State Department, because I think if it was like a hit, then it would have been more professional. This sounds like just some woman who, I mean, it had to have been personal for her to like track down this, I mean, I bet you anything it was this the husband's mistress. It had to have been, had to have been. The key to the room mysteriously reappeared at the desk. A strange phone call was found to have been made, presumably by the shooter from Mrs. Williams' suite to a nearby fish and ale house 20 minutes before the incident. Okay, yeah, no, nah, okay. 
it was, it you know what? Okay, this is what happened. I, re- I solved the case. I solved it. The husband was like, listen, my wife and my daughter are going to be at the Drake. They're going to go do some shopping. They're going to get their hair done, their nails done, whatever it was people did in the 40s. And then they're going to go back to their hotel. I'll let you know when they get back to the hotel. And then you can be ready to shoot my wife. Don't shoot my daughter. I kind of like my daughter. But I don't like her enough to not have her witness the death of her mother. So you just kill my wife. And then call me when you are done. And then... I'll cut, well, no, because she didn't, okay, hmm, you know what, here's what she did, the mistress, she gets up there, and she's like, all right, now I gotta call my, my, my sugar daddy at this, at this fish and ale house, this pub, this restaurant, whatever, And let him know that I made it in the hotel and that I'm waiting and see if he still wants me to go through with it. That's what it is. I solved the case. I solved the case. I did. I solved it. Y'all are welcome. Um, Yes. Okay. A strange phone call was found to have been made, presumably by the shooter from Mrs. Williams' suite to a nearby fish and ale house 20 minutes before the incident. It was her. It was the mistress. There this guy was running around on his wife. He's like, she's never going to let me have a divorce. I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm, t- I'm, I'm done. And the mistress was like, that's okay. Don't worry about it. I'll do it. She's never seen me. She doesn't know me. So she can't. Yeah. See, that's what it was. The story that the daughter had been the real killer was soon abandoned and Mrs. Williams passed away in the hospital the next day, making the case officially a homicide, not an attempted murder. Also, hello, because she got shot in the head and she was still able to tell the police that her daughter didn't do it and that she didn't know who the killer was. That is crazy. From here, the case began to take several even stranger turns. The serial number on the gun was connected to a holdup man. A holdup man. Oh, my goodness. Who claimed to be... (laughs) Oh my gosh. Who claimed to be the gun's original owner, but he said he had turned it into the police years before. Sure he did. The police were never sure whether they believed that the gun was his. He had told them by way of proof that he had used it to shoot up the ground in a field near a railroad depot. <laughs> the things people do when they're bored downstate years before and the cops dutifully dug up the grounds he spoke of and found several bullets but none were of the right caliber to be fired from the gun wow what a huge waste of time the man himself was certainly not the killer in any case he had been in prison at the time of the crime however he did mention that some of his guns had been stolen by his sisters over the years and one of his sisters a woman who called herself ellen murphy was working as a key clerk at the drake hotel dun 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 In fact, the man had two sisters at the Drake. One named Anna was listed in the papers as a hotel prowler, the kind of woman who hung around the hotel looking to drink with wealthy men. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. She had been cleared of murder raps before, but had a solid criminal record. My word, big bird. Oh, my gosh. 
It was Ellen the key clerk, though, on whom most of the attention would center on the coming days. She was living in the hotel with her lover, Patrick Murphy, the brother of the state labor director, whose last name she was using, though they were not married. Paper would call her Ellen Bennett, but her official name then was Ellen Villanis Bennett Larksworthy Welch. Well, well, well. At 41, to say she had lived an exciting life would be to put it very mildly. She had dropped out of school in sixth grade, married a man nearly four times her age when she was 15, and then left him, left him after six months, enrolling in college using a friend's diploma and giving birth to a son a few months later. Since then, she had been married a couple more times, always for very short periods, and two husbands who had a tendency to disappear. <laughs> this is crazy. This is literally crazy. Oh my gosh. That is just... This is at least one of the husbands was murdered. Ellen was brought in for questioning, but was never formally a suspect in the still unsolved crime. Her record was hardly clean, though. In 1939, she had borrowed one of her brother's guns, stolen a car that belonged to a state senator, put on a blonde wig, and attempted to hold a woman up in suburban Park Ridge. The car was found to be full of tapes and cords that she had planned to use to tie people up. Why is there not a movie about this woman's life? I swear... When she was caught in the act, she claimed not to be Peggy Ellen Bennett at all, but a nightclub entertainer named Peggy Ryan. Well, my word. Okay, so here's okay. Here's what I think. Her sweetie pie was named this Bennett guy. Okay, he worked at the. He was a state labor director okay she's the key clerk right this anna her sister liked to go out with wealthy men so what if What if they both knew Adele Williams's husband either because one or both of them was seeing him? Okay. And then this Ellen, she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sneak this key and then Anna is going to go. That's what it, yeah. Anna's going to go up there. She's going to murder this lady, and then I'm going to run away with this, with this, uh, Mr. Williams. Hmm. Let's see. That's, I think that's what it was. And then she called the alehouse to tell Mr. Williams, because Mr. Williams was totally at the alehouse. He was just waiting to find out. He was like, yeah. Okay, in the early 1940s, she reconnected with her sister who had spent some time as a call girl and married another man who had lived for only a few days after. These, okay, these chicks are tag teaming. That's what they're doing. And in 1942, she found a job working as a key clerk at the Drake. Hmm. 
officials later admitted that they had neglected to do a background check. Mm-hmm. Even her friends said that she was a cold-blooded, calculated criminal, I mean, same, who would go to great and dangerous lengths to grow her collection of diamonds and jewels. I mean, who, who among us? Uh, most everyone connected to the case began to theorize that Ellen had been in the room to steal the jewels and shot Mrs. Williams in a panic when she came back into the room. No, she didn't. No, this was all planned out with the husband. I just know it. Ellen and her sister were both arrested twice in connection with the murder, and though Ellen admitted to owning a black Persian lamb coat, just like the one the killer wore, she swore she had never been in Mrs. Williams's room and that she had been shopping in the loop at the time the killing occurred. Well, let's just believe her, of course. Bennett and her sister both passed lie detector tests and no charges against them ever seemed to stick since all evidence against them was strictly circumstantial. By the end of 1944, police had all but given up on the case, only holding out hope that somewhere an old woman who owned a black fur coat had a terrible terrible secret gnawing away at her conscience and that one day she would come forward and confess. It never happened, though the papers reran the story every year on its anniversary for years the unsolved case passed into history and was seldom mentioned in print after 1960. It survives today mainly as a ghost story. Some say that a ghostly woman in black has been seen haunting the 8th floor of the Drake Hotel. Perhaps the ghost is a companion to the other resident ghost, the woman in red. That is so crazy. Oh, by the way, a lot of this that I just read is from a book called Chronicles of Old Chicago, Exploring the History and Lore of the Windy City by Adam Seltzer. I didn't mean to read so much of it to you, but this is just, I love this. This is crazy. This is absolutely insane. How did the how is this unsolved? How's this unsolved? Somebody freaking tell I don't the guy and the gun and the key and the, there's I I don't I don't I'm how is it unsolved? Okay. It's fine. I'm going to I'm going to make it through this, but you guys. So There is another unsolved crime from only a year ago that is somewhat associated with the Drake Hotel. The victim left the Drake Hotel after a conference and was murdered less than 24 hours later. The crime is still unsolved. The victim was a scientist from Paraguay, 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 working at the National Institute of Applied Sciences of Lyon in France. His name is Hugo Silva, and he was aged 35. He had traveled to Chicago for the first time in October of 2018 for a conference about tribology, the study of interacting surfaces in motion that took place at the Drake Hotel. Less than 24 hours before he was found dead, he had served as the vice chair for sessions about fluid lubrication. So he was a smart guy. I don't know any of the words that were in that sentence. I don't know what any of that means. He was a smart guy, and it is just terrible that he was murdered. Um, If you want to learn more about what happened, you can find the article on the Chicago Tribune website, 
Let me see if I can find the title for you to make it easier for you to find. It's the title of the of the article is Parents of Paraguayan Paraguayan. I hope I'm saying that right. Scientist found dead in Chicago zigzag continents in search of answers. It is a very sad article. It is so heartbreaking. Um there's a lot of weird information that seems that the family doesn't agree with some of the things that they were told by police. It is a very real tragedy for this family, but I hope that his death is solved and the family can get some closure. But as of right now, there is no real update. I tried and tried and tried to find anything and there's no update on this case. So, that's just... It's just so sad. Um, lastly, there is the death of Alexander. This not lastly because there's some more after this. I don't know why I said lastly. I'm sorry. There is the death of Alexander Ravel, who fell or jumped his death. It's unclear if he slipped and fell while opening his window or if he jumped. Alexander H. Ravel was a successful business owner and was staying in the Drake Hotel in a suite of rooms with his nurse and companion, Benjamin Holtz, in 1931. His eyesight was bad and he was in poor health. He was 71 years, 74, excuse me, 74 years old. Benjamin had just finished helping Alexander with his morning bath when he stepped out to go and prepare breakfast. Benjamin claimed that Alexander seemed normal and in good spirits. He claimed that Alexander liked to open the window after his bath for fresh air. It seems as if he could have slipped and fell out the window when he was trying to open it. The only real article that I could find on it, I couldn't really read because I don't have an account with the Chicago Public Library. So we're going to have to take the word of deadinchicago.com. Deadinchicago.com says, as always, Alexander reached to open up the little window in the bathroom. It was only three feet off the ground and only two feet wide. Alexander reached shakily for the window and with a small struggle, managed to pull it all the way up. He kept one foot on the rug in front of him and one foot on the windowsill. That seems like a weird thing to do. Suddenly, the pressure from his feet shifted and the rug slipped out from under him. He toppled forward onto the windowsill, slippery still from the bath, and shot straight out the window. That does not sound very possible to me. I'm just saying. Moments later, Benjamin walked in the room and looked out the window, finding Alexander Ravel lying dead on the roof of the dining room facing Oak Street Beach. I am so sorry, but that does not sound like something that happens. It's a, the source is from the Chicago Tribune, 14th of March, 1931. What I just read to you is on deadinchicago.com. I cannot read the original article because it is not available to me. Um, but wow, really wow. Um, who knows what happened, but either way, that is weird stuff. So, the very last thing I want to tell you about is this um, weird robbery that happened 
1925. Um, I, again, cannot read the entire article because the article is from the New York Times from 1925. And I have to have a subscription to the New York Times in order to look at the whole thing. I, it's only going to let me look at a tiny little piece of the article. Um, so I don't have the full information on this, but I do have a little bit of information from a database called Homicide in Chicago. It's located at homicide.northwestern.edu slash database. You can look at that if you want to. Um, but here is <laughs> this thing about the, it's such a weird robbery. This says Quintet raids. This is the whole headline. Quintet raids Drake Hotel. Drunken leader marches employees around office. Others cover cashier. Girls snub starts shots. She slams door on robber, and clerk standing nearby is killed for the affront. Blood trail is followed. Auto chase ends in death of one fugitive, another shot installed car. That is the whole headline. That's a quite the tongue twister, especially girls snub starts shots. She slams door. I mean, wow. The the very small part of the article I can read says Chicago, July 29th. Following a sensational holdup of the Drake Hotel in mid-afternoon in which between $5,000 and $10,000 was stolen and one employee killed and another seriously wounded, the boulevard system of Chicago's fashionable north side was the stage today for a battle with five bandits. Bandits. <laughs> which resulted in the death of two of the robbers and the capture of one other. So, from the database, this gives us just a little bit of information. This says Rodkey Rodkey Frank okay, Frank B Rodkey aged 50 shot to death at 3:30 p.m. in the office of the Drake Hotel by one of five bandits. Bandits is a technical term who <laughs> held up the place with shotguns. Two of the bandits, Eric Nelson and Ted Tex Court, were killed by Lincoln Park police officers. Two others, Joseph Holmes and Jack J.W. Woods, were captured and turned over to the, pol to the sheriff on indictment. The fifth bandit... Wasil? Okay. Marks, alias what? W.M.J. Molenchuk, alias W.M.J. Melny. Why would you make an alias that is more complicated than your real name? Escaped. Woods and Holmes sentenced to hang. Judge Hopkins granted a stay of execution. Uh, do, 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 do. Eventually, they were hanged in the county jail. Okay. So, this Marks person was brought to Santa Barbara, California for, it looks like, a... Wow, he had yet another alias, Jack Nugent. My word. 
was brought back from Santa Barbara, California, and it does not say what happened to him after that. Circumstances. It looks like they were robbing the one of the restaurants in the hotel. I don't think it was the main, um, like the front office where you check in. It looks like it was the restaurant. Um... And two of the men that were part of the robbery were killed. And two of them were... Hmm, two of them were caught and sentenced to death. They were hanged for the crime. And then this other guy... was arrested but he he like he escaped and was arrested eventually but he was it does not seem that according to this database he was sentenced to death he probably just went to jail or something um but that is really weird I'm wondering why this says girl's snub starts shots. She slams door on robber. Because it looks, because from the headline, it seems like maybe she was one of the people who worked in the hotel. So maybe she brought a gun with her to work, which I mean, it's the mid 1920s. Why wouldn't she have a gun with her at work? Um,. She slams door on robber. Hmm. Or maybe she was a bystander. Who. um, You know what? Maybe she was a bystander. Because this says that the cashier. No. The clerk who was standing nearby was killed. Because she started shooting. This. See, this is why you shouldn't have a whole entire paragraph as your title for something because this is weird and complicated. So, that is the Drake. Um, while I was Googling the Drake Hotel, I kept coming across searches asking if Drake the rapper owns the Drake Hotel. The answer is no. I don't think that he's associated with the hotel in any way, and he does not own it. It is owned by Hilton International. Um, Also, if you want to look up the Drake Hotel, you need to specify in what city, because the Drake Hotel in Chicago is not the only Drake Hotel that there is. Um, So, you need to specify the city when you are looking it up. Next, I'm going to read you just a little bit from Foursquare. Um, There are some reviews and there are some um, tips that people have put on here. This says that if you want to enjoy um, tea for, I guess, like high... um, What's the word I'm I'm looking for? Like a lot of people, high volume times, 
you need to uh, reserve it for a month in advance. Um, there's a really pretty picture on here of tea being poured. It's so cute. And then, um, let's see. There's another one on here that says tea is $103 for two. That is really expensive um, for some tea. So definitely um, save your pennies up. There are some really interesting people who posted um, posted reviews and tips. This one um, shining member of society says... The Drake Hotel gets more good will than deserves. And why would you want to associate with mobsters? Drake, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> the person posted a picture of I it looks like a picture that is up in the in the Drake, I guess as historical context. Um and it's pictures I it's very uh there's a bad glare on the picture and it's fuzzy, but um, it looks like the guys are um, maybe mobsters. Um, somebody says, the best beds in town slept like a baby. Might have been the martini nightcap. <laughs> uh, this is really interesting. If you go on the um, on the website for the Drake... You can see a calendar of events that they have. You can click on do, 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 do. If you if you click on explore and then you click on entertainment at the top menu, it takes you to a calendar and they have all kinds of events. Somebody posted that they have, um, like a swing dance night. There's a lot of, um, bands and like local live bands that play. Um, there's also a tab on the website <clears throat> that tells you about the history of the hotel. There's a photo gallery. Let's look at pricing because I'm sure that some people are interested in that um, you can go on the packages tab where um, you can where you can get like a resort type package um, there's actually if you have kids there's an American girl package um, for for little girls and little kids that want to do have like an American girl experience um there's some really cute things that you can do you definitely don't have to stay at the hotel in order to visit you could go to the restaurant you could just go on a tour it looks like they have tours um let's look here their guest rooms if you're just looking at a regular guest room not a suite the guest rooms actually look pretty standard for your average Hilton. Um, if you are, if you've stayed in like a Hilton or a Hyatt or a Marriott, you already have stayed at the Drake pretty much. It looks 
like a regular hotel. It's not that different from any other, um, not that different from any other chain hotel. Not super fabulous as far as, um, bathroom and other little amenities and stuff. It's pretty, but it's not super out of control spectacular. They have a little bit larger room that they're calling a family room that has like a bedroom with a little living space and um like a like a couch and stuff uh tv and it's just a it's just a little bit bigger room and then their suites let's look at the suites um they look okay the uh the walls are they have like a wallpaper that I'm not super crazy about and the carpeting uh I just I don't I guess it's all right um the decor just looks really dated and honestly kind of 80s ish and I don't like the furniture that much it's just not my cup of tea I'm sure it's nice but it's just not it's not my jam. It's just not. Um, but it's it's a historic hotel, so I'm sure they don't want to like go too crazy and make it look really really new. Um, but it the rooms look clean. The uh, the reviews are good. And, um, I don't know, I guess if you save your pennies, you could totally stay, um, on the website, it says you can book from $163 per night, so I'm guessing that is from, from their lowest guest room. I'm gonna go on here, and I'm gonna pretend like I'm gonna book a room for, let's see, I'm just gonna I'm just going to go Labor Day weekend and see what a room is like for two adults and one child in one room. And I'm just going to see what it comes up with on here because I don't know if I believe 163. Yep. Okay. So Labor Day. I mean, I know Labor Day weekend is like a, is probably like, um, pretty busy time for them but the cheapest room is $255 and that's if you have some sort of honors discount situation uh if you don't have the honors discount you're looking at 276 per night dude no let's see They've got some they've got some flexible pricing, but it's not nah. It's okay. I mean let's see. Let's try one adult and no children. Just just for my curiosity. Um, I'm guessing that, yeah, okay, so for that same time period, Labor Day weekend, you're still looking at at least 200 bucks for a night. 
So that is the Drake. I am done with this episode. I do not have a fancy fiasco for you this time. Um, but maybe next time I will. Um, that's all for this episode. If you liked this episode, please tell a friend. Please give me a five-star review on whatever you listen to podcasts on. Have a wonderful stay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Heinous Hotels. This podcast is brought to you by me, Jordan Rollins-Duncan, and Anchor.fm. For more Heinous Hotels, you can follow me on Twitter. If you have a listener story or suggestion, you can send me a DM, or you can email me at heinoushotels at gmail.com. Now don't forget to check under the bed and have a safe trip home. Check in again soon with Heinous Hotels.